Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and this is episode number 215th. Uh, the title is Free Will, It's uh, Refutation Cost, Role in Climate Change Denial, Part 10. Okay, so like the previous um, nine parts of this series were all devoted to reviewing this book that I published in 2014 in April called Free Will, Its Refutation, Societal Cost, and Role in Climate Change Denial. So in those previous past um, uh, parts, we basically reviewed why free will is an illusion. You know, we basically um, addressed certain kinds of like defenses of free will by philosophers and um, psychologists and just showed how they just weren't logical or effective. And then we went a bit into the societal cost. And now, now when, um, we, um, now we want to focus on how like this belief in free will is, is extremely um, threatening when it comes to climate change. The, the, uh, the, basic, the basic premise of this is, uh, well, I'll, I'll go through it as, as I go through the book. All right, so like, again, we're on page 25 uh, of this book, and um, you, can, you can download the book online. Uh, or buy it from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. It's, it's available on Kindle for I think a dollar or something. You, if you Google the, the title, you can um, you can find a PDF to download for free. All right. So um, so I think the last episode I cited this um, this statistic by uh, Pew Research, a research firm that did a survey in 2014, and they discovered that only 44 percent of Americans believed, one, that climate change is happening, and two, that we're causing it. It was a two-part survey. All right, and like, you know, with, with less than 50% of us believing that, it's, it's kind of like easy to understand how not enough is getting done on it. So, so this, this chapter, it's chapter five of the book, it's called Free Will Belief and Climate Change Denial, just deals with how our belief in free will just to a great extent causes this denial. Now, before I start, I want to say there's other reasons for this denial, like, for example, oil companies, you know, energy companies that are making a lot of money from fossil fuels, they deny it because they have a vested interest in denying it. They're making a lot of money with the status quo. They don't want to disturb that. But most people, you know, don't really have anything to gain by denying climate change. And I, and it's really more about what this chapter is about. Okay, so now in the book, I, I, I cite research by Crompton and Kasser in 2010 that they reported that individuals overcome guilt about global warming by one, denying their actions, two, refusing to care, and three, shifting the blame to others. Okay, and then they're in, a, in a, his study of Norwegian villagers, um, a guy named Norgard in 2009 found that individuals reported feeling guilty about overconsuming research uh, sources. You know, just like they felt that they were being a bad person. Okay, so now here's the thing: um, this guilt requires the belief in free will. In other words, like 
if, if they're feeling guilty about being a bad person, that causes them to deny that climate change is happening. This guilt is derived from the belief that we have a free will, that what we do is up to us. In other words, like, so to the extent that they understood that no, it's not their fault, there's, you know, we should be concerned for ourselves and for our children, grandchildren, and future generations, but guilt shouldn't be part of this equation because it really isn't fundamentally our fault. You know, what's happening, well, nothing, nothing that happens is our fault because <laughs> we don't have a free will, but, but basically, um, to the extent we understand this, then we don't feel the guilt, and, then, and we don't you know, have to um, deny because of it. I'll get more into that in a bit. Um, uh, in a, a bit. Hold on. Um, okay, so that's, that's the idea. So, like, you know, if, if you don't believe in free will, it's really difficult to feel guilty um, rationally. Um, basically, you know, um, and, and what happens is, all right, like, why do people deny things? Denial in psychology is a term used to describe, you know, basically not accepting evidence, not accepting a situation because, like, of certain psychological re reasons. And, like, so related to this climate change, uh, people, like, the way it goes is, like, our scientists are telling people that you're responsible for, um, for essentially, you know, threatening civilization because, you know, I mean... Uh, with a, a business-as-usual scenario, if it continues for another several decades, then civilization, you know, will be over within, I would guess, 100 years or so, um, unless, you know, na naturally something completely unforeseen happens. But um, that's a difficult indictment for people to, to accept. And the people, you know, we, we tend to want to see ourselves as good people. And so, so what happens is that People deny the evidence of climate change and deny that we're causing it because they believe in free will, because they believe that, like, you know, if they were to accept it, then they'd have to accept, you know, under their free will belief that, that they are bad people, that we're all bad people. So, keep, you know, people can't handle it. So, again, so that's, that's, that's the reason for this chapter and for this book to a great extent. You know, this is the first work um, in all of academia and, you know, throughout the entire you know, literature on, on um, climate change um, that addresses this, that, that ties in free will belief as a major driver of, of this climate change denial. All right, so let's continue page 26. Um, uh, two researchers, Gekas and Burke, in 1995, suggested that people need to preserve a positive self-concept, okay? And that leads them to quote, avoid or selectively accept threatening information <laughs> and, and to not work hard and, and to work hard to not change their identity. So again, like we need to see ourselves as good people. <laughs> and if there's evidence before us suggesting that we're not, for example, like I'm wearing this vegan sweatshirt, right? If people like, you know, who believe in free will uh, would, um, would examine what happens to, to the animals in factory farms before they get on our plate? I mean, they would conclude that, that you know, basically all of us are, are really, really horrible, indifferent, cruel, callous, you know, however you want to call it. And, and again, that, that, um, so we need to feel good about ourselves. So what do people do? People like, in the case of, of animals, they will deny what's going on one, by saying, well, animals really don't feel pain, you know, which is like such nonsense. I mean, <laughs> denial usually involves 
you know, basically accepting something that just there's no evidence for and it just isn't true. Or they might refer to the, the Bible saying, well, God allows us to eat animals. So in other words, that's kind of like, that's a, a straw man arguing because it's really not about eating animals. It's about how animals are treated before they're eat, eat, eaten. So that's another example, of, again, like how, um, how we use, we, we deny certain realities before us in order to preserve our self-concept, not just our self-concept, but the concept of those around us, our friends, family, you know, everyone we know. All right, so, um, and so basically, you know, and self-identity is, is related to, mora- to personal morality. We, we need to feel that we're good people. If, you know, again, if the scientists are telling us, well, you are, you know, through your actions of climate change, um, you know, just producing too many... Um, goods, using too much energy, not using clean, sustainable energy enough. If we're doing too, too much of this, that really reflects really poorly on our morality. It really just shows that we're not good people. And to the extent we believe in free will, that's a personal indictment. Again, we, we deny that by, again, denying the climate change is happening or that it's serious or that we're causing it. Okay. Um, now, in, in terms of ways to remedy this, this denial, um, Compton and Kasser again in 2010, they recommended the practice of mindfulness, you know, which they described as a quote, non judgmental awareness of one's experiences. Okay, so like the key word here is non judgment. You know, with mindfulness, and you can also do this through meditation, you basically observe reality. You don't really like take ownership of it. It's kind of like you're watching a movie. And they, they reported that that practice helps people manage this, this kind of um, threat to their identity, you know, this, this threat to their feeling like they're, um, you know, threat to their, you know, to, to believing they're good people. So now here's the thing with like, you know, the key word about the mindfulness meditation is non-judgment, but to the extent, to the extent that we overcome the belief in free will, we don't even have to rely on mindfulness because like, when we understand that we don't have a free will, it just makes complete logical sense that, 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 of course, we are not um, responsible. We're not responsible for anything. We're not responsible for the good we do or the bad we do. So that's, you know, in, in other words, to, to abandon the belief in free will is really to, to see the world completely in a non-judgmental way. You don't blame anything or anyone. Conceivably, you could blame God or the universe for everything we do that is bad. But even that, I mean, like, I mean, if you want to get completely logical, and this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but, you know, the reason free will is an illusion is because of this causality, this principle of causality, chain, uh, chain of cause and effect. And you, you understand that, like, you know, in other words, everything has a cause, or there's a cause to whatever happens, and a cause to that, and a cause to that. These causes stretch back, and here's the thing, they stretch back eternally into the past. So, I mean, in order to kind of, like, um, defend God or the universe against any bad that's done, we could, you know, arguably claim, well, that, that this chain of cause and effect never stops going backward, you know, so, so like there's never a point at which the universe or God decided, well, this is what's going to happen, you know, however many trillion years, I mean, like, you know, fine, our universe is, what, 14 billion years old, but who knows how much time came before that. All right, um, so... Um, so again, so like the, the idea, like to the extent that we overcome the belief in free will um, to become more less, less judgmental, 
then, you know, we, we address climate change not from um, the perspective of feeling guilty of having caused it, from, but from the perspective of concern, concern for, for, you know, people who come up after us, our, you know, our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, future generations for, you know, God, for millennia. All right. Um, now, in 2008, um, Zayran and Vedlitz found that actually also helpful, helplessness also induced climate change in Ireland. This is kind of like insidious because like what happens is like sometimes they learned that uh, they discovered that the more a person learns about climate change, the more they realize how daunting it is and the more helpless they feel to do anything about it. So, and so like what happens is like, so then they, um, they because of this helplessness, they, they deny the threat somehow. I mean, it doesn't make sense. You would think that to the extent a person learns more and more about it, that they would be less capable of denying it. But no, they, you know, it causes them to, um, it causes them to, um, to basically deny that it's happening. Now, um, the key th thing here is like, so, you know, a sense of helplessness is, is causing them to deny climate change. But you have to understand the sense of helplessness that people feel is within the context of free will belief. In other words, they're, they're fundamentally feeling that they have, you know, accountability, that ha they have like personal agency, that what they do is up to them. And then they feel helpless about it, which is painful. And then, then they deny the climate change is happening or they're serious, whatever. But so like, again, with, with this example, you could see that if, if people understand that no, we don't have a free will, so like we are fundamentally helpless. You know, to the extent that we, we come to terms with this fundamental lack of agency, lack of personal autonomy, then, um, then we wouldn't feel these, these painful feelings of helplessness because we already understand and accept our fundamental helplessness. So in that regard, then we wouldn't have to resort to climate change denial because, you know, our whole mindset, our philosophy of who we are would basically incorporate a fundamental helplessness. And so, like, there would be no kind of, like, free will belief to, that the helplessness would be kind of, like, threatening, okay? So, it, you know, we'd be accepting this from the onset, and it would be something we would, you know, if, if um, this was taught throughout society, you know, by the time we're, like, in grade school, we would accept it. And, um, and so, again there would be no need to, to feel the pain of, hel of helplessness that leads to the, the denial of climate change. Okay, um, so now, um, all right, you know, we've got to understand, like, overcoming free will belief is not going to be easy for humanity, but, but um, you know, when you think about it, if, if, that's, if this belief in, in, in free will is causing us to deny the climate change is happening, you know, through these, again, feelings of guilt and all misplaced guilt, uh, it may be that we may not be able to appreciate the data. I mean, a lot of people, I think these numbers that, that Pew um, found in 2014, I think they've gotten a bit better since then over the last couple of years, but still, we're not, you know, about half of us still don't, don't believe it, it's, you know, we're causing it or whatever, it's that serious. And, um, to the extent that we overcame free will, fine. Um, um, 
it would be difficult, but if we don't do this, we may never be able to appreciate the hard data. I mean, like these the scientists, I mean, I guess some scientists are able to do it. You know, if you have a really like objective mind, you can, you can, in fact, believe in free will and then but see the evidence for, for climate change and understand that it's happening. Because I think the vast majority of people who understand this happening, you know, the 44% at least, the vast majority of them probably believe in free will. But then, you know, you're talking about a, a good number of people who, um, who are denying climate change. And the reason is probably their belief in, in free will. Okay. Um, so, so again, there are other causes for climate change denial, but to the extent that we um, don't um, address this, this free will belief, we just may never be able to, um, to face the, the evidence of, of, of climate change with, with any objectivity. All right, we may get through this book, um, this episode. I thought it might take two episodes, but maybe. All right, so like, in conclusion, um, now this whole book has about been, been about both refuting uh, climate, uh, free will <laughs> belief, um, un showing how it's harmful, not just, um, you know, relative to climate change, but like free will belief, it just like pits people against each other. It causes people to um, to accuse each other, accuse themselves, to indict each other. So, you know, this hostility. I mean, the world is very hostile in politics and, you know, societally, you know, globally and all. There's a lot of blaming going on and all this stuff is predicated, depends on this belief in free will. So, like, you know, the, the book has been a, about, you know, um, uh, to a great extent, the harm that, that free will belief um, causes our world. So, um, so basically, you know, the, in this section on page 29, we, we, begin, we begin to ask some questions. Like, for example, um, what benefits might accrue to humanity as we overcome the belief in free will? And I think it's pretty plain, you know, to the extent that we overcome free will belief, then it becomes rationally, logically impossible to blame anyone for anything. And when you, when you have a world like that, you have a much more intelligent, compassionate, and kind world. You know, a world where, where, where um, people don't seek vengeance and, and retribution for things, and people don't feel guilty. So a lot of people, like, for example, like, they blame themselves for things. They end up, you know, sometimes committing suicide. I mean, like, you know, this is the extent of, of, of the, the, the harm that this guilt, this free will-induced um, guilt causes. It causes us to blame ourselves and want us to, to be punished. You know, we punish ourselves. So, so again, like it would be, you know, it'd be a, a, a different world. I'm, I've, I've said this quote before. John Searle, American philosopher, said, for a world to overcome the belief in free will would be a bigger revolution in our thinking than Einstein or Copernicus or Galileo or Newton or Darwin. You know, then he goes on to say it would alter our whole conception of our relation with the universe. He's right. You know, it, it would just like now, you know, if everyone were to become like blissed out, supremely happy or, or like, you know, very good. You know, if our conscience was awakened much more, more than it is, that would change things too. But, but you know, this, this overcoming belief in free will would be huge. Okay, so then, you know, for example, like, you know, as, as I mentioned, um, this, this free will belief doesn't just cause climate change denial. We have about over a billion people that are suffering from poverty, you know, extreme poverty that kills about 30,000 kids every day, you know, from, from malnutrition and, and various diseases that are 
easily preventable if, if people cared enough. So that's another case where like, you know, people aren't able to face that, that one-sixth of our planet, you know, are, are just like living in dire consequences because, because of the free will belief, you know, compels them to blame themselves and, and everybody, you know, especially in the rich countries, for, for being so greedy and, and callous and cruel and indifferent, all right? So again, like just as with climate change, to the extent we overcome the belief in free will, we can look at the climate change evidence objectively and react out of concern. You know, with, with these um, over a billion people who are living in extreme poverty, to the extent that we can overcome the free will induced belief that we're responsible for it, we can just like look objectively at their situation, not have to deny that, that it's happening because like that denial saves our feelings, you know, allows us to preserve this delusion that we're good people, you know, and, and then just, you know, come to their aid out of compassion, out of just like basic, um, basic humanity. Okay, and again, like we just, we went through the, the, the case with the, the animals, with the food industry, it was the same thing. Okay, um, so, all right, so, so again, this, this, this last chapter, chapter six conclusion, deals with a few other questions like that. You know, for example, like why did uh, the universe, you know, compel us to believe that we have free will, this delusion? I mean, it's not the first time it's done this. We used to all believe the world was flat, and, um, and the sun revolves around the earth instead of vice versa. I mean, like, this is, you know, we have been led to, to believe various delusions. Um, okay, um, so, you know, another question we want to ask, so I, I think I'm going to get through this in this episode, excellent. So another question we want to ask is, like, so in what ways does this, you know, this overcoming a free will belief constitute a bigger revolution in human thinking than, than any of the others, you know, Einstein, whatever. Um, what, what, what are the, what are the, the global um, implications of all this? Um, okay, now, some, <laughs> some, a lot of people, a lot of psychologists, um, philosophers still contend, and no, free will has not been proven to... Uh, to be a delusion. It's nonsense, first of all. They're in denial because they need to believe in free will for whatever reason. Um, and so like on page 30, I, I have a quote by a, a famous physicist, uh, Sir James Jeans, that in 1943, he published a book called Physics and Philosophy. And in it, he, he writes the following. I'll, I'll read this quote. Practically all modern philosophers of the first rank Descartes, Spinoza, Leibniz, Locke, Hume, Kant, Hegel, Mill, Alexander, as well as many others, have been determinists in the sense of admitting the cogency of the arguments for determinism, but many have at the same time been indeterminists in the sense of hoping to find a loophole of escape from these arguments. Often they conceded that our apparent freedom is an illusion so that the only loophole they could hope to find would be an explanation as to how the illusion could originate. So, you know, again, like, even though a lot of these philosophers, they didn't like the conclusion and, you know, they're still thinking of a way out, whatever there might be, logic compelled them to understand that free will just doesn't exist. Okay, and um, one of the, uh, the features of this book that I end this book with on page 31 is that the hope that, like, 
I explained earlier in the book how a priori causality, causality that, that's like given, in other words, like one plus one equals two, that's a given. You don't, you don't need to prove that. You know, cause and effect is a given. Um, to the extent that we understand that, yes, the universe is causal, and that, that, that includes uh, quantum mechanics, the, you know, the quantum world and the, the, the macro world. To the extent we understand that, yes, Einstein was right, and certain people, physicists, who still believe in this, like, you know, nonsensical notion that some things happen without a cause, literally, some things happen randomly, randomly. to the extent we, we believe that that's absurd, that nothing can happen without a cause, then that could hopefully help future generations um, understand the free will's illusion. One, 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 you know, like, uh, as an aside, I've got about three minutes. You know, it's, it's good that, like, I, I was researching IQ recently, and apparently, like, every 10 years, um, IQ goes up about three points. So like, you know, millennials, for example, people are in their 20s and 30s, they're about 10 points higher on the IQ scale than my generation was. Like, you know, I'm like almost 60 years old. So, so it's, it's good to hope that, you know, to expect that as people get more intelligent, they'll get this, this, this more. So, um, okay, so, um, and, and so like, with, the, with this issue of causality, I mean, like, what, 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 what's mind-boggling, and I get into this in the book also, is that, like, let's say people don't want to accept that everything is causal, that everything is, a, is, a, um, you know, is governed by the law of cause and effect. That does not, that in no way helps the belief in free will, because if you're saying that some things aren't caused, and if you apply this, this mistaken, but, you know, let's benefit of the doubt conclusion, to the free will thing, basically what you're saying, well, you know, our decisions are uncaused. Our decisions weren't, you know, and if, and if our decisions are not being caused, then we are not by any means causing them. We can't logically conclude that something that is not being caused is being caused by the free will of human being. So, um, and that's a point, this is a point that I must have, like, again, this is episode number 215, and I, I must have, like, made, you know, said that countless times um but and and people don't get it because like <laughs> again it's this denial you know people need to feel good people sometimes people feel that well if we're just all puppets if we're just robots automatons life is not meaningless um no life has a lot of meaning for example i i explained that like what we value most in life is love you know like especially especially being in love falling in love and everybody knows that, like you know if you fall in love and if you're in love you're lucky. You can't just decide of your free will to, to be in love. But we value love anyhow. So we could value our lives, our world, our reality, you know, by that same understanding, understanding that it's not up to us. Nothing we do um, is, is of a free will. All right, well, that's pretty much the book. And we've, we've gone through it. And so, like, I'm going to, like, you know, end this show pretty soon. It may start it again. Who knows? Never know. But I want to start a new show. So like my next episode is going to be devoted to, to you know, the last episode of this, whatever. I have no idea what I'm going to say, but um, I hope you've enjoyed the series. They're all on, on YouTube. You can, you know, check out my website, um, causalconsciousness.com or Google Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. Thanks for watching. I'll see you again next week. Thanks.